Welcome to the underground, the Steel City Underground, the black and gold standard for Pittsburgh Steelers coverage. Now, here's your host, Joe Kuzma. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Steel City Underground podcast. My name is Joe Kuzma, and today we have a special guest joining us from the Believe in Jaguars podcast covering the Jacksonville Jaguars, who coincidentally happen to be this Sunday's opponent for the Pittsburgh Steelers over at AccraSure Stadium in Pittsburgh, introducing one Justin Dunk. Justin, how's it going? Doing well, man. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I guess, you know what? I, I We sometimes have, I don't want to say the enemy because there isn't like a whole lot of history, I guess, with the Jaguars and the Steelers. Maybe just a tad bit where there's some sour grapes in the playoffs, a couple games like that, going back to the start of uh, Mike Tomlin's tenure even. But uh, just uh, overall, um, your impressions thus far for the Jaguars uh, season currently at 5-2, and two, about what you expected. Are you disappointed they're not 7-0, and oh, or uh, did you have them somewhere else? I look at it from the reporter sort of perspective and not the biased team perspective on believe. So what I believe this team is at is much better than last year. They were two and five through their first seven games last season. Now they're five and two. So they've sort of flipped that number around in a positive way. I think a lot of people around Jacksonville and who are fans of the team are happy with that record. That said, I think the one blemish so far was the loss of the Houston Texans rookie quarterback CJ Stroud played very well in that game there was some blown coverages and I got a little bit of the fan base worried but they've gone out and won some key games four games in a row the winning streak is going in 19 days two of those happened over in London beating Atlanta and then the Bills they come back and they win a divisional game against the Colts and Gardner Minshew coming back to Duval County. And then they beat the New Orleans Saints on the road at the Superdome where the Jaguars had never won before on Thursday night football. So it's been a fast and furious stretch to get to five and two for the Jaguars. But I think they have either met or been just a little bit above expectations to start the year. Yeah, and uh, unbeaten on the road, too. So uh, coming into Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh uh, at the start here of a three uh, three game homestand. It'll begin here and continue on through one of um, your division, the AFC South opponents, Tennessee Titans for Thursday Night Football, and then Green Bay Packers after kind of like a mini buy. The Steelers just had a full buy week uh, just a week before having uh, faced the LA Rams in LA. So they return return home where they've been uh, two and one. And the Steelers' offense getting a little bit more going uh, than usual. They're still 26th in the league in points and uh, 25th uh, passing, 28th rushing, where the Jaguars seem to be a little more middle of the pack. 14th in the pass game, 13th uh, running the football, and also 9th in points scored. Take us through a little bit of we've got this was a playoff team last year. Trevor Lawrence kind of coming of age as Steelers fans here. We're looking at Kenny Pickett. We're hoping to see the same type of progression as quarterbacks go from year one to year two. In your case, year two to year three. 
And also, you know, lifelong friend in the backfield there, Travis Etienne. Uh, there's some similarities there, taking one pick right behind Najee Harris, who's in the backfield for the Steelers. So there's some parallels uh, with this team. Tell us a little bit about what, uh, uh, just a little bit about the Jacksonville Jaguars offense. I don't think it has met expectations because Trevor Lawrence set them so high, especially in the second part of last season. And then obviously that amazing comeback in the playoffs after throwing four picks in the first half comes back and leads his team to victory over the Chargers. I think a lot of people felt like with Calvin Ridley in the fold, now this offense was just going to explode. And what's really held it back is third down conversion percentage. They're 27th of 32 NFL teams in that stat category, just over 34% on the season. And you mentioned it, there's still nine in points per game in the NFL. That's really been helped by the defense who have a league best turnover rate. There are 16 total turnovers on the season. Nine of those have been interceptions for this Jags defense. So that's created some short fields for the offense that they've done a pretty good job of converting. But I think there are still levels to go here for the offense. Calvin Ridley has flashed and he really did so in week one against the Coles. That first half against Indy, seven catches, 92 yards and a touchdown, went for over 100 yards, had over 100 yards in one other game this season. But he's drawn the attention of defenses. I'm sure it will be the same thing with the Steelers on Sunday. So that's opened up other playmakers to have their opportunities. Say Jones has had a couple of unbelievable touchdown catches, but he's been in and out of the lineup with a knee injury. Christian Kirk, that game-winning touchdown against the Saints where he almost touched 20 miles per hour running that thing down the field there at the Superdome to give the Jags the win. So Kirk has been really good. Evan Ingram has been a safety net. And I think even more than that, for Lawrence, Ingram is right up there among all NFL tight ends and receptions, yards, and he actually leads all NFL tight ends in yards after catch. So he's been dynamic and under the radar. You mentioned Travis Etienne Jr. there. This guy's been having a great season. He's got six touchdowns in his last three games, seven on the season. The first Jaguars running back in team history to have multiple touchdowns three straight games so he's been very productive the yardage maybe hasn't necessarily been there for etn jr but mainly he's been finding the end zone having some timely plays for this offense that still has some upside and they've been dealing with some suspension stuff cam robinson was out for the first four games of the season but he's back now left tackle walker little was hurt over in london so they've had tyler shatley in there the last couple of games at left guard who's played pretty well Remains to be seen whether Little will play this week, but I think that's one of the things that you can expect from this Jags offense is to be solid overall. There are playmakers, but they need to be better on third down. Yeah, a lot there. I was going, I was going to ask you what's going on with Calvin Ridley. A lot of um, people in fantasy football, not myself. He was drafted a lot higher with a lot higher ex expectations. I couldn't sniff him. I had like picked nine or ten out of a ten-team league. So, like when it snakes around, I get stuck all the time. But it would appear, you know, Christian Kirk was the guy who landed the big contract last year. He's done it extremely well. Zay Jones, who you've mentioned, um, we only have the one day of practice updates, right? I didn't actually pull up the, it'd be a good time to pull up the injury report here in a second. Um, but yeah, Zay Jones is another big target. Travis Etienne, I'm sure you're aware, if he does this again with a pair of rushing touchdowns this week, he will have been the first 
NFL running back to do so since Ladadian Tomlinson. So that's uh, that's fairly impressive. I know a lot of folks will sit on our side and say, well, Steelers drafted the wrong running back or, you know, some kind of nonsense like that. But I think it's all situation and opportunity. We'll see if the Steelers can get anything going offensively. But I want to stick right now still with the Jaguars on offense. Anton Harrison, that's someone that we talked about a lot in the draft process as potentially being in a Steelers uniform. Of course, the Steelers opted for Broderick Jones, who didn't end up playing last week in lieu of Dan Moore. But when the Jaguars have the football, uh, I just kind of I'm curious if to, as to your perspective. Who scares you the most on the Steelers defense? Because I think that'll be the primary matchup. It's no secret that the Steelers have kind of crawled their way to four wins primarily by being a defensive, uh, a strong defensive team. Definitely. I mean, that's where they've made their living under Mike Tomlin for the most part in his reign as head coach. And I mean, the guy that scares you the most has to be TJ Watt, right? If the Steelers can get Watt matched up on Anton Harris, that is a nightmarish matchup potentially for the Jags. Harrison has gotten better as the season has gone along, but Chris Jones, the outstanding pass rusher for the Kansas City Chiefs, exposed him in that matchup earlier this season. But Jones came out and said after he felt like Harrison has a lot of upside. He didn't want people to be too harsh on him. So I think that's the matchup that if you're a Jaguars supporter, you're looking at and saying, like, we don't want to see Watt on Harrison. It's likely going to happen because the Steelers are going to scheme up ways to get that favorable matchup. They're really good at doing that. But that is the one, I think, that has Jaguars fans up at night. Um, yeah, I mean, God bless. I mean, he's doing things that we haven't seen uh, since there was the one statistic since Lawrence Taylor that he's had, you know, X amount of sacks, a pick, et cetera, and no one else has done it. Talk about Hall of Fame names, first Tomlinson and then Taylor. So uh, extra special players on both sides of the ball. Might want to keep an eye out, too, for Alex Highsmith. The Steelers also have a pretty decent rotation at outside linebacker, of course, playing a 3-4. Nick Herbig, rookie out of Wisconsin, got his first sack last week. He really wasn't touched at all, but that's the kind of player that recognizes right away. He was, you know... It's a shark with blood in the water, especially with like rookies and you're playing behind two guys that have big multi-million dollar contracts. When you get your chance, you're going to try and get your chance. And he's pretty hungry, too. So uh, Steelers secondary might have their hands full, though, um, on the Pittsburgh side. They're still trying to figure this th- thing out, Justin. Um, it as far as the secondary. Um, it looks like they're trying to maybe they were kind of weaning away from Levi Wallace as like their corner two. Patrick Peterson was brought in, but we had said here that you can't have a bunch of just corner twos and threes. There was no corner one. Well, they drafted Joey Porter Jr. He played a career high amount of plays last week against the Rams. We might expect to see that to continue, but primarily uh, the way the Steelers usually operate and the way they had since Joe Hayden was uh, here several years ago is is that the corners usually stay they don't don't necessarily roam uh, from side to side and we'll see if that changes because when uh, they kind of moved away from Wallace second half especially with the Rams he still played a, a healthy amount of snaps but they got James Pierre in there who I'm not very confident it's still an undrafted guy morally a special teamer he's like the fourth or fifth guy deep on the bench They're moving Peterson around much in the same way. Mike Tomlin even said he's Cam Sutton, who they lost in free agency to the Lions. And for us Steelers fans, maybe for Jaguars fans who are tuning in to this, 
that means he kind of plays everywhere. He might be playing as a nickel he might, or covering the slot. He might be playing as a dimebacker over top of tight ends. He might even just float back into like a safety role where the Steelers are kind of heavy, uh, oftentimes with playing three safety looks. So uh, with that in mind, um, Travis, uh, well, I should say that the Steelers defensively still give up. the tw They are 25th defensively against the pass and 28th against the run. They still give up a lot of yards, but they are second in the league taking the ball away. They are a plus six takeaway differential. Uh, any other thoughts, perhaps, like as to Micah Fitzpatrick? Will can you foresee somewhere uh, something in this game where maybe uh, Trevor Lawrence exploits one of the corners, uh, maybe the maybe the rookie Porter Jr. Or uh, now, I, I don't want to say old man because I'm older than Patrick Peterson, but just a tinge now, you know what I mean? But totally, when you're in your 30s, it's not the same when you're playing the skill positions. But um, are they going to try and like, I guess that I guess what I wanted to see was was the matchup. Like, I feel like Kelvin Ridley might be like, I was joking about fantasy stats, but he's still not an afterthought in this offense. So do they try and feed him the ball or they kind of go to the old reliable and then see, or is this because other teams are taking away or focusing too much on Ridley? Or how do you see this kind of playing out with the Jaguars passing game? That's what's happened, especially since that explosion in week one. And yes, there was that one other 100 yard performance that Lee has had, but he's seen a lot of increased attention from defenses. A lot of bracketing, some inverted coverage. Doug Peterson was talking about some cloud coverage, safety over the top, kind of the usual stuff you'd expect a number one receiver to see. So they're not necessarily force-feeding him the football because they have these other weapons. Big Jones has not been healthy, but even still, Christian Kirk has done damage. Evan Engram has done damage. Travis Etienne Jr. has been solid out of the backfield. But when you put Zay Jones back into the lineup, which there might be a chance of this week, we'll see how... He progresses in practice and that can be a dynamic receiving core with those three guys on the field and i think that's when this jaguars offense is at his best when jones has been on the field trevor lawrence is not going to force the football he's taking care of it relatively well the jags have not turned the football over in the form of fumbles or interceptions very much this season peterson has been aggressive going for it on fourth down so that's one thing that the steelers are going to have to be aware of i'm sure they're going to see it on tape and see the stuff that they like to do but really lawrence has been pretty good at going through his progressions and not forcing the football taking what's there i know it's cliche i hate cliches but that's how he's played for example against the saints he's wearing a left knee brace on that knee that a lot of people were worried about after he was taken down in the colts game the sunday before he goes out and rushes for a career high 59 yards on eight carries because he just saw a lot of open green space the saints were playing the man coverage and he took advantage of what was there it was easy for him to run in a straight line he's admitted that's a bit difficult for him to move side to side laterally with this brain knee they're calling it that he has to deal with but he's been very cerebral and hasn't forced a lot of things and actually has been close to having a higher touchdown total especially in that Kansas City game there were multiple plays that were very close in the end zone one to Zay Jones one to Calvin Ridley that were close to being touchdowns like just inches away in terms of getting another foot in for those guys a couple of those also in the Texans game as well. Ridley had a couple of untimely drops in that game. So 
overall, I think that's what you can expect for his offense to be balanced. They've committed to the run game, even though the yards per carry hasn't necessarily always been there for Travis Etienne Jr. this year. And Lawrence is going to be patient, go through his reads, and find what he believes is either the best matchup or the open guy. He's not going to force it very often. Yeah, I've seen that eight touchdowns, just the three interceptions. Um, a little bit more maybe concerning is the number of sacks. I mean, they didn't give up any against the Saints on a, a short week as well. Um, in you know, kudos to the Jaguars going in. Being the road team on a Thursday night game is never, never an easy task. Uh, they've but the uh, Jaguars offense putting up at least 30 points, three games so far this season. They've topped 400 yards total offense so far this season so the Steelers could very well have their hands full and the Steelers like I said haven't been always the luckiest playing the Jacksonville Jaguars in Pittsburgh and that's how I learned about the whole Duval thing I've actually been down to Jacksonville as well so I finally learned what that was all about up close and personal uh very uh very interesting fun franchise I don't think anybody even on the Steelers side, you know, we want to see the Steelers win, obviously. But I think overall, when you look, you're like, wow, you know, the Jaguars hadn't had so much success. So it's kind of nice to see them turn the, turn the page here. Uh, some of the opponents so far this season, of course, they got they uh, were in a very tight game with the Kansas City Chiefs. Two games out the way already, both wins in your division against the Colts. That's got to be very promising. Houston Texans sometimes always have your number, and don't worry. Uh, the Texans went and then won again. Uh, right after that and beat the Steelers, which it's like, you know, so I'm, a, I'm an Ohio State guy too. So seeing CJ Stroud play well, I, I don't want to dog him, but it's another one of those things where it's like, yeah, well, once you change uniforms and you're on that other team, you know what I mean? And then, uh, of course, the Falcons, the Falcons, Bills, I mentioned the Saints. So we're going to flip the ball here. And I guess maybe the big, one of the, maybe the bigger concerns is when you have the Jaguars on uh, defense. Now the Steelers, they're still looking for maybe that get right game. Maybe they turned a corner here, but it seems like they kind of get it more right when they don't have to game plan, when they're kind of ad-libbing, when you're in the, the third quarter, maybe deep into the game, fourth quarter, and Kenny Pickett's been able to orchestrate some comebacks. The defense has been able to put its clamps down. Um, I'm trying to figure out where the Steelers might be able to attack because the past game has not been, the play calling has not been particularly good to say the least. The Jaguars are 31st against the pass and also considering some of the teams, like I said, they played uh, Anthony Richardson, but Gardner Minshew, uh, I'm assuming came in with that one game where Richardson's already been hurt. Mm -hmm. CJ Stroud, a rookie. So uh, Desmond Ritter, is that a little bit concerning even though you know that there's, you know, Matt Canada, a much maligned offensive coordinator for the Steelers? And a second-year quarterback, is it still as concerning to you with the Jaguars' defense matching up against the Steelers in their offense? I don't think it is because a lot of those passing yards have come when the Jaguars have been leading the game outside of the Houston Texans game where C.J. Stroud and Tank Dell took advantage of some blown coverages. Look at some of the guys they have in the secondary. We'll get to Josh Allen in a second. The edge rusher, edge rusher Josh Allen, that is. Darius Williams, a guy back there, leads the NFL with eight pass breakups, and he's tied for the league lead with three interceptions, and he's also got two dropped interceptions, according to Pro Football Focus. He's a top-five graded cornerback by PFF through seven games, 85.6. Well, he's a guy that's been playing at a real high level, and part of the reason 
he sees a lot of targets his ways because Tyson Campbell is usually on the other side. Now they play a lot of zone coverage, but Campbell and Williams can lock it up. Man coverage, they need to. Andre Cisco has been really good back there at the safety position. He's got three interceptions. Rayshon Jenkins, I would say, has been solid overall. The grades on PFF might not necessarily show it, but he's been pretty good. Trey Herndon, the nickel, has been decent. He'll come off the edge at times. And really, this Jags defense likes to keep everything in front of them and focus on getting Josh Allen to the quarterback or putting him in at least some favorable situations. Now, over the last couple of weeks, Allen has seen more chips and protections sliding his way and you know the running back there to help out as well before maybe those running backs leak out into the backfield. So Trayvon Walker needs to step up and actually get to the quarterback, but his pass rush win rate has actually gone up. There's been a lot of talk about Trayvon Walker into the Jags making a mistake. Should they have drafted Aiden Hutchinson, who obviously has a great number of sacks early in his NFL career. Walker is a beast against the run. He's a game changer in that respect. This hasn't gotten the quarterback to the turf. I think he's helped out pressure the quarterback, though. And you look in the middle, Oye Iluakun is, again, among the league leaders in tackles, has led the NFL in tackles the last couple of years. An underrated guy, scored his first career NFL touchdown in New Orleans, a pick six that helped the Jags get a win there at the Superdome. So there's not necessarily a lot of holes in this Jags defense. You got Devin Lloyd out there playing with a cast on one of his hands because he had thumb surgery and some screws put in there, but he's back in action. He's a young up and coming player. who's played at a really high level, got into it with Travis Kelsey in their game in Duval County when they largely shut Kelsey down. He had a touchdown in that game. But if I remember, it was only four catches for something like 26 yards, I think for Kelsey on the day. So defense is really good, young, fast, I would say up and coming Overall, if you're going to attack it, I think the way that you can attack it is run the ball, you know, especially in the middle. And I think you got to make sure that you slow down Josh Allen. If you can block up Josh Allen, then there's a chance to be able to beat some of these defensive backs down the field. You're probably fortunate that the Taylor Swift thing didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> during that because the guy's been playing it's funny they throw up like the statistics he's been playing out of his mind it was four receptions on nine targets for only 26 yards did have a touchdown you probably don't have to worry about a whole lot of that with the Pittsburgh Steelers Pat Fryermuth uh, I'm not even sure that we mentioned this on our show but he tweaked he was about to come uh, return back he wasn't placed on injured reserve just yet it was just uh, looking looking at a short-term injury by week and all of a sudden he tweaked something like last Thursday uh, in the middle of the practice week and then was placed on injured reserve and now the Steelers I would say 100% scrambling because they have been playing the third uh, third round pick out of Georgia Darnell Washington or Mount Washington he's a massive massive player fantastic um, blocking tight end in lieu of Pat Fryermuth and him not being as willing maybe of a tackler or a tackler, I mean, blocker at times. So I think primarily here, but the Steelers um, in the past game and try and get the, they're going to try and get the running game going with the one, two punch with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. I was uh, kind of asking you about that too. If some of this was a little bit of playing from behind garbage time type stuff with the pass D because then the Jaguars have only given up about roughly 80 rush yards per game. And that'd be fourth. And that just looks like it's more lopsided where you're getting into some shootout type scenarios. So 
Uh, we'll see how those two, um, they, they tend to work together pretty good as one-two punch. Uh, they did pretty well against the Rams last week. We'll see if they can continue that. But I think your primary focus and concern, Yate Johnson's now back. That's going to open up some things for George Pickens, who now has three 100-yard uh, or more receiving performances, even in this kind of poor offense. And only one player, one time last year for the Steelers, had a 100-yard uh, receiving game and that was George Pickens too so he owns all of them in the last uh, two years so just uh, uh, I guess a couple of quick thoughts on that because that's pretty much the biggest highlight or kind of bright spot that we have to focus on as Steelers fans definitely I think there's a case to be made there that those guys could do some damage against the Jaguars especially considering it's no certainty that Campbell's going to play at cornerback last week against the Saints it was Monteric Buster Brown who started and looked pretty good had a key pass deflection at the end of the game on fourth and goal against Chris Olave to steal it for the Jaguars in the win but he's still a young player and we know that Pickens has that upside, that explosiveness, and Deontay Johnson has been a guy that's been ultra-productive for the Steelers for a number of years. So those are two dudes that the Jags defense needs to focus on, try to get physical with if they can. Campbell, if he does play and come back from this hamstring issue that he has been dealing with, will get up and press you a little bit. And my colleague and analyst on the Believe in Jaguars podcast, Clay Harbor, former NFL tight end who played for Doug Peterson in Philadelphia, believes Campbell is underrated across the NFL as one of the potential best cornerbacks in the league. He's got to be on the field to do that. But I think if he's not, the Steelers, Matt Canada, Kenny Pickett got to look at Buster Brown and say, okay, we're going to see what this young guy's got over here because he's not quite to the level of Campbell yet. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that with Campbell. I was going to pull up the injury report real quick here. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot that's uh, – I mean, it's tough to go on with just one day of practice thus far. With the Steelers, it's mostly days of rest. The big one that kind of uh, popped up uh, here was Levi Wallace, who I said might be heading for a demotion as it is. Uh, maybe he was uh, pulled from the game because of a foot injury to begin with, but he was a full uh, DNP, did not participate in practice. On the Jaguars' end, any major concerns here that, um, you know, most of them were limited. I guess Zay Jones, you're still, we were still talking about trying to work his way back. But of the various players here, Tyson Camel, limited. Uh, Andre Sisco, Devon, ha oh, Devon Hamilton, full practice. Uh, Greg Jr. back with a full practice. And then also limited Trevor Lawrence. And we mentioned Walker Little and Brandon Scherf on the offensive line. Do you foresee anybody... Sands, maybe Jones. Let's say Jones has a setback. Is there anybody here that you think might not have availability according to this or what you've seen thus far for Sunday? As the week goes along, the players to monitor for the Jags have to be Walker Little. He's certainly a better left guard than Tyler Shatley. He's been out for a couple of games now. It seems like they're bearing very slow with him, and the Jags have a bye coming up after this game as well. So I think it's an opportunity where maybe you keep Walker Little out, you keep Zay Jones out, potentially keep Tyson Campbell out, and say, okay, we could get them a long, extended period of rest here. Or you're thinking – we can take a chance to play them because we have that bye week coming up where they can get extra rest if we're trying to push it a little bit. But Doug Peterson has shown he's going to err on the side of caution. But really, those are the three guys to watch. I think they could probably get by 
without Campbell, this hamstring seems to be a little bit finicky and bothering him, but the offense is at its best. As I mentioned earlier, when Zay Jones is in there, but he's come back and tried to play on this knee and then he's been out for a couple of weeks. So I think those are really the key ones along with Walker Little. Caught me on a coffee break. <laughs> We've had those little things in between, you know, when I you could like sneak around, but uh, anyways, thank you for all of the insight. Um, and you may not be familiar with this, but we call like the folks who stick around to the end of the show, like our two percenters. It's like, cause at this point ah. I saw, yeah, I saw like a tutorial or something ages ago, a YouTube tutorial where the guy's like, okay, now the 16% of you that are left. And by the time you got to the end, it was like a five minute <laughs> clip showing you how to do something on, I don't know, in Photoshop or who knows what, right. Coding or whatever. And so for the two percenters, hang around after this, but for uh, got a couple of tidbits and news and notes, but I won't uh, I won't hold up Justin. He's got a busy schedule here and I'll cover that stuff right after. But Justin, thanks for joining us on the show today. Um, let everyone know where we could follow you in the Believe in Jaguars podcast. Thanks for having me on, man. It's been a lot of fun. You can get at me on X, I guess we're calling it these days. Twitter is yeah. mine first for me. <laughs> at jdunk12 and a lot of people think and you actually asked me this kind of before the show that my last name is duncan but it's dunk like slam dunk so at jdunk12 on x or twitter and then google the believe in jaguars podcast it'll come up my guy clay harbor the analyst on there is really good has a unique perspective because he played for peterson so he's told some interesting stories behind the scenes about what dougie p is like and then what it was like for him to go over to London with the Jaguars. They had two games over there already this season. So lots of cool stuff there. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. The whole international series and whatnot. And of course, I love hearing stories from former players. That's always good stuff. So uh, we'll also have that link to the Believe in Jaguars podcast in the show notes. So you could find that uh, very much easier then and you could always search because some people are just listening on the audio you don't get to see it and of course uh jay dunk 12 on x justin uh thank you once again for joining us other news and notes and tidbits to catch up on just the usual i didn't want to bore justin with some of the things that he already knows but of course the game is sunday october 29th it's a one o'clock game it's in the uh, cbs early window which means everybody that's in red which is damn near the entire United States of America, if you're seeing this, with the exception of folks that are pretty much in New York, New England, uh, down in Southern Florida where Miami is and the, the Dolphins territory and Tennessee is playing. Oh, who did the Titans have in that early window? Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, that's about it. So uh, there's even portions in the South because of J the Jacksonville Jaguars. So pretty much everyone, if you're in like anywhere in the Midwest, and anywhere like west of the Mississippi, other, oh, I would even say like Louisiana is about the only place that isn't going to get it. So Texas, Colorado, California, you're going to get the Steelers with the old rabbit ears or it won't be blacked out on, you know, uh, for the regional broadcast on NFL.com or the Steelers.com apps. You should be able to see it because it will be a local broadcast. So you don't have to go trying to pirate it or spend $400 for NFL Sunday ticket. This game is practically carried 
everywhere this week. I, I said it's almost a primetime coverage map talking to Justin off the air and he was laughing. He was like, wow. And I'm like, yeah, and it's like, it's kind of hard to believe. You don't think of like the Steelers are kind of like have been on a downswing. The only storyline here and the Jaguars aren't like, you know, they go and play in London. They go and play overseas. Um, they they've struggled for so long, but they're on the come up and it's five and two Steelers, four and two, both teams winning records and young quarterbacks. So the storyline must be there. Uh, your call for that game, Ian Eagle, Charles Davis and Evan Washburn. I, I actually like that crew. I won't complain about them too much. Um, if you're going to listen to the game on, um, ah, we don't actually have, let's see, the Sirius XM numbers. Here we go. The Steelers are on 109 or 227. And of course, the Sirius XM app, the Jaguars call on 134 and 386. Your referee for this game, Alan Eck, kind of boring pencil neck looking guy. So maybe, maybe we don't have um, poor officiating for this particular game. So uh, keep an eye on all of that. I think we already covered the injury report for you. So just wanted to tie up those notes. Once again, there's the map. If you could find yourself on it, this is courtesy of 506sports.com. You can find it there along with the other local listings for this weekend. That'll do it for me. My name's Joe Kuzma. Thank you for watching or listening to the Steel City Underground podcast, wherever you may be. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. Once again, a thank you to Justin Dunk and go find him with the Believe in Jaguars podcast. Maybe you can hear a little bit of more insight of what he has for Sunday's upcoming game. Stay tuned on SteelCityUnderground.com and our social media platforms for any injury news and updates. And here we go, folks. Uh, Sunday afternoon game back into the confine, uh, the friendly confines of what is now called Acrisure Stadium. One day after my birthday, so wish me a happy birthday. Thank you, two percenters. I know you caught that. Till next time, we encourage everyone out there to be safe, be good, and we'll catch you later. We would like to thank you for listening and remind our listeners to follow us on social media and our website, www.steelcityunderground.com. 